Hey everyone, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my book-loving wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different hobbies, and we try to drag each other into our interests by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. Today is about the books, that's what we're here for, we're going to talk about some things. Today is the day that I get to force you to play the first line game or challenge, whatever you want to call it, after the news, and I'm actually kind of excited. I think you're going to do better than you think you are. I think I'm going to get one if I did really well. So we're going to see how it goes. I do have my Goodreads list here because, boy, am I bad about titles of things, as okay. you know. So I will probably have a just idea of where it's coming from, and but, like, which thing, God knows where it is. Like, if you pick a Harry Potter book, it's going to be a crapshoot for me, for sure. Well, I'm going to tell you, I didn't pick any Harry Potter books. Perfect. Safe, maybe. But going through the news before that, Chris Cuomo's planned book, Deep Denial, has been canceled by the publishers at Custom House, which is an imprint of HarperCollins. This comes as the fallout continues for the former CNN host, who privately helped his brother, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, respond to sexual harassment allegations. The book had been scheduled for a fall 2022 release, and it was meant to explore, quote, the harsh truths that the pandemic and Trump years have exposed about America and the roadmap of the work needed to make our ideals match reality. Sounds like a really waste of a book as it were anyways, but I don't know. The guy is not a good dude. Like there's stuff coming out now that he was being the same kind of way that his brother was. Like there's sexual misconduct in the CNN workplace now. So it's like, all right, well, like it was probably good to part ways with this dude completely. All right. Some people just shouldn't be allowed to have any sort of success thanks to their behavior in other areas of their life. Right. Absolutely agree. And a quick note about something that I hadn't heard of until I think it was yesterday. Nearing 100 years old, Betty White is now the subject of a new book which celebrates her life and her career. The coffee table book called Betty White, 100 Remarkable Moments in an Extraordinary Life came out on Tuesday, December 7th. The book was written by entertainment journalist Ray Richmond. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. She's been around for a minute. Like, she played an old person in, like, a series in, like, the 80s. So it's like... Like, that show is now old. Yes. And she's still here with us being great. So I love that. And everyone loves Betty White, so... And a piece of news that I will say I think you should be interested in, but who knows? I never get that right. For once, you're right. Looking at the notes, I am over the moon about this. So, Gorillas are releasing a coffee table art book to mark the 20th anniversary of their self-titled debut album. The book spans 288 pages and has many different and new interpretations of the virtual group by a number of artists, including The Cure's Robert Smith, Jack Black, the Powerpuff Girls creator Craig McCracken, and more. This will be the first time the group has done any type of art collaboration, and it is set to be published in April of 2022. As soon as we're done recording, I will be putting in my pre-order for it. 288 pages of great art. It's going to be fantastic. Because, like, they've always been super creative. The characters never look exactly the same. They're always dressed differently. And, like, just some of the scenic backgrounds that they choose, like the super artsy backgrounds for their music videos, it's just, like, these guys spend a lot of time on doing a lot of the stuff for this. Right. Or they pay people to do it for a very long time, which is partially probably realistic, too. 
I'm pretty sure one of the people in the band actually did some of their art. Well, I believe stuff. it wholeheartedly. Like, you've got to think that they're at least creative enough to be a normal band, but then also make their side project, like, bigger than them. So Right, right. It's kind of a no-brainer. And the only reason I even know that this band is a side band for another band is because you have told me that little factoid, like, a hundred times. times. Okay. At least only a hundred times. I was overshooting at a million. I mean, it feels like a million, but it was probably <laughs> only a hundred I like both bands. I'm sorry. They're go- They're both really good at what they do, so go figure. Yeah. And then this last week, we had more stuff selling at auction for a lot of money. It's weird that that's the tie-in this week between the two episodes is things selling at auction. Yeah, a little bit of a tie-in there because we had the stuff related to um, Russell. Russell. Yeah. But this time, it is two 16th century books with a rare folding map of the world included. And they have sold at an auction for 365,000 pounds. It's a lot of weight for that. You think you're cute. (laughs) The books by English writer Richard Hackleyet, if that is even correct, I have no idea, were expected to sell for only three to 5,000 pounds. But the map of the world from the late 16th and early 17th century sparked global interest from antique book collectors. Normally when copies are sold, the map is missing. So the book, having one, was a complete and total rare find, which jacked up the price a lot. The books that were sold had been in the same family for many years and kept in a private library in Devon before being auctioned off at the Barnes, Hampton, and Littlewood Auction House. That's pretty crazy. Like, it's one of those situations where, like, you just had this thing for a long time and, like, you knew it was going to gain value, but did you know it was going to be worth quite that much? Like, you kind of well, feel and like it's you only on it. worth that much because of the map, which Still you wouldn't attached. have had if you hadn't just left it in your library. Right. So that's crazy. But that's it for the actual news this week. And now we get to do the first line challenge for Steven. As some of you may know, the first line challenge is a challenge where you get so many points. If you can name the title of a book just off the first sentence, the more sentences that you need, those points get deducted. But for this one, I decided instead of doing three lines for three points, I did five lines for five points. I appreciate it. Maybe I can pick up a point. I I know that you feel like your memory is not going to be great for this. So I thought I would help you out a little bit. All right. So there are going to be... 25 total point options. 25 total points. So I'm going to do five books with five lines each. Here we go. I feel like some of these are going to be easier than you thought, by the way. So for book one, sentence one, there is one mirror in my house. There is one mirror in my house. Um, and this is very different than when I did this challenge because you're looking at your Goodreads. I I, I have to, I have to, I just don't have that option. Um, I don't know that I have a guess for that one. I feel like that's, I I don't know that I can even take a stab at it, which is bad because I'm sure I should know. I'm going to go into the next one. Okay. There is one mirror in my house. It is behind a sliding panel in the hallway upstairs. Jeez. And this is a book I've read? Yes. (laughs) Okay. I did look at your Goodreads when I made the list. Okay, that's helpful at least. Like, it's weird enough to where, like, it could be one of two things. Like, I feel like it could be every heart a doorway, but I don't think that's right because that started different, I feel like. That's going to be my guess. We'll see if that's right or not. So your guess is every heart a doorway? Yeah, with going for four points if I can. No. Yeah, okay. That's what I get. 
So three sentences this time. Okay. There is one mirror in my house. It is behind a sliding panel in the hallway upstairs. Our faction allows me to stand in front of it on the second day of every third month, the day my mother cuts my hair. Faction. Oh, um, it is... God, and it's been a long time since I've read this one. Divergent? Yes. Okay. I was like, faction, I'm like, that brings it down to two things that it could even kind of be, and then I was like, it has to be divergent. Three points. Okay, here we go. Book two, line one. When I wake up, the other side of the bed is cold. Oof. Yeah, I'm going to have to take sentence two. When I wake up, the other side of the bed is cold. My fingers stretch out, seeking Prim's warmth, but finding only the rough canvas cover of the mattress. So it's clearly one of the Hunger Games books. And if Prim wasn't there, uh, it's either Mocking Jay or Catching Fire. Or am I overthinking this? I don't know. Um, I, I can't help you. <laughs> I, I realize that. Yeah. Let's go with Catching Fire. Incorrect. Okay. I guess I have Three to sentences take the next now. sentence, even though I already know the answer at this, this point. When I wake up, the other side of the bed is cold. My fingers stretch out, seeking Prim's warmth, but finding only the rough canvas cover of the mattress. She must have had bad dreams and climbed in with our mother. Gosh dang it, that's the Hunger Games. It tricked me because Prim wasn't there originally, and so like I overthought it, clearly. Oh well, that sucks. Hey, you're consistent. Three points. Yeah, I don't know that's great yet so far. Book three. Only fools climb to the surface. Only fools climb to the surface? I should clear that up right away. That's going to be Skyward. Yes. Yeah. That one was pretty easy. I thought so too. Just the word surface gave that away immediately. Like, And then the climb too obviously also helps the cause. Because she's always climbing through all the caves and stuff. Book four. Yep. I've been here before. Oh, um, okay. Next one. Let's, let's hear it. I've been here before. Too many times to count. Too many times to count is the second sentence. Hmm? Jeez. Like, I've got vicious vibes from it, but I don't think that's right. Uh, we'll go on to the next one. I've been here before, too many times to count, over and over again, and each time, the same question. Is this it? Ah, the old guard. Yes. Yeah. I was between that and vicious originally, and I know it wasn't vicious, so I should have just guessed, but I was in my head. I will say, that's what I, get. I did not use vicious. Because the first word in the first sentence is Victor. Would, I was like, well, not using that. That would give it away so fast. Fifth book. Okay. The girls were never present for entrance interviews. So that one is the one that I was talking about earlier, Every Hearted Doorway. Yes. Yeah. Thought that was funny. That was your first guess. And I felt like that was probably going to be one of the ones in there. And that's probably why I guessed it so early. Because it's written differently than a lot of other books. But that gives it away clear as day. So I didn't do that bad. 19 out of 25 points. Yeah. I also feel like I was nice to you because I didn't You did. Pick, you definitely. I didn't pick anything sequels. that was a part of a series and not book one. Yeah. And I didn't pick anything that I know that you didn't like. Because I have the ratings. I wrote down the ratings. For almost all five of these books, you rated them four stars. The only difference is that the last one, Every Harder Doorway, you rated five stars. Because I really liked it. Yeah. It was good. I want to continue that series, by the way, at some point. So, But you did better than me on... Yeah, but again, you, you kind of underhanded them to me here a little <laughs> bit. Like You're letting like Mark McGuire in his steroid days come up and hit dingers off of just like little underhand tosses. So I don't know that it was That really reference still went over my head. Okay. Don't know who that is. Good for him. <laughs> okay that's fair but 
discussing what I've been reading, I had a really slumpy week. Well, considering you went up to Oklahoma for the, like a portion of the week, that's really... I, I was gone for 36 hours at the end of the week. At the beginning of the week, I read one comic and then didn't read again for like another 36 hours. So it was a really weird week. And I just wasn't in the mood to read. So I ended up reading two volumes of the same comic series and one other book, which is still more than the two things I aim to read every week. So it's fine. It's fair. It's true. I definitely won't get to my full TBR that I made and posted on my blog at the beginning of the month, but that's fine. I'm more than triple times my goal for the year, so I'm just going to let it go. It's fine. Which is really hard for me. I have a hard time just being like, well, I set a goal and I'm not completing it and surpassing it. Yeah. But it's also the holidays and I don't want to be stressed out right now. In fairness, like your goals versus my goals are kind of night and day difference. Like legitimately, we were pre-show talking about how I hit my 20 out of 20 books this year. Which is great. Like, I feel like that's just such a baby number in comparison to some people. But at the same time, I'm like... Considering two years ago, I read like a book a year. So like it's... Well, and that's a fallacy that people run into is comparing themselves to people that are on the bookish parts of the internet. Yeah. And not comparing themselves to where they were a year ago or whatever. And so that was something that, especially as we started the podcast, I kept running into. It's like, well, I'm not reading double digit books every month. So something's wrong. Right. And I mean, it's still something that I struggle with, which is why when I finished three things this week, I was like, not good enough. And that's crappy. You shouldn't feel that way. Obviously, you should enjoy books at your own pace. You should never be like, oh, well, this person reads twice as many books as I do. Well, yeah, they literally get paid to do it. We don't get paid to do anything. Right, right. So like it's. It's more for us and for y'all to just kind of hear our takes on things. And it's, there's no money involved. Like you don't hear ads or anything like that at the front end, middle, anything of our stuff. And it's just because of that. Yeah. Well, and one of my goals for next year is to only do between 52 and 104 books next year, which sounds like a lot. Like if I were to say that to anyone in my family, they'd be like, oh, only. Yeah. But the reality of that is it's like, just two books a week, which right, really right. isn't that much, especially considering you include comics and novellas into that list. So right, it's like right. not huge. But I feel like that will help take the stress off of reading, which I think is what I need right now. I think that's why I had a slumpy week. It'll also help us have more time for future projects that we're working on, which I think is important as well. So, But talking about it, I'm going to be pretty brief because... I read volumes five and six of a series, and I read a book that you and I are going to discuss in depth as you read it later on. So this part will be pretty short. I read Lumberjanes Volume 5, Band Together by Noelle Stevenson. It's a 2016 release. I ended up rating this one 3.75 stars. I was enjoying it, but at the same time, the art style is different enough that it took away a little bit of the enjoyment because everything was more... I'll say it was less defined Did in the art style. somebody different do the art for it? Or? I don't know if it was someone different or if they're just doing different styles and trying out different things as they're publishing the comics. But also the story itself wasn't exactly what I wanted for this one, the one before it or the one after it, because 
In the first four, we get a little bit of the background of the camp and the camp counselors and the person who runs the camp, the director of the camp. And I want more of that because it's just sort of on the sideline of the comics. And I want to see like what the end is for this mystery. Like what's the answer? But I've heard people say that this comic series is kind of like a roller coaster. Like there'll be highs, there'll be lows and just like to keep going because there's still a lot of good stuff in them. Absolutely. In the Lumberjane comics, we follow the girls of the Roanoke cabin at Miss Quinzella Thisquin Pennyquequels Thistle Crumpets Camp for Hardcore Lady Types as they face more supernatural creatures. In this one, we faced mermaids, and it's called Band Together because the mermaids are in a band. Gotcha. Underwater. And they do make fun of that throughout the comic. Like, this shouldn't work. What about electricity? So it's fun that it makes fun of itself. And then I read volume six, which is Sink or Swim. It was a 2017 release, also rated at 3.75 stars. In this one, we face Selkies and a pirate werewolf. That's an interesting take as well. Like, I feel like the crossovers are definitely strange, but they're entertaining. Well, and like the Selkies were mad at this pirate werewolf for taking one of their furs or their uh, coats and... Like, they had to get into that to figure out who did what and how to fix it. It makes sense. So, it was fun. It was cute. But the main thing I read during this past week was Cytonic by Brandon Sanderson. It was a November release and a YA science fiction novel, book number three in the series. This one also got 3.75 stars for me. It's the first Brandon Sanderson I've read that's gotten less than four stars, I think. In this one, in order to save her planet in the galaxy-wide war the superiority started, Spencer must travel into the Nowhere to learn more about herself and her powers. But the Nowhere is a place from which few ever return. To have courage means facing fear, and this mission is terrifying. I'm ready to read it. I really am. I'm like on the edge of my seat sitting here listening to it. I'm like, let's go! It's fun to be back with Spencer and to see what she's going through as she explores the Nowhere and all that she has to face to try to make it back home. It's just with each one of the actual books that have come out in this series, I've always expected something different than what I got. And it's not necessarily that that makes it bad. It's just when you expect the story to go one way and it goes a different way, you kind of have to take time to like reorient yourself. And so that was part of what I was struggling with. Gotcha. So it's this book that causes that because I feel like everything else kind of went in the right direction the entire time. Well, looking at it as a whole, like, it all makes sense for why these things happened and the book went where it did. But as I was reading number three, just reorienting myself made it a little hard for me to read. But it all makes sense. Like, I'm not saying it's bad or it doesn't make sense or whatever. It's just, it kind of took me out of the story. Gotcha. But I really can't go into depth about Cytonic because you haven't read it yet. Because I am present here. Yes. As for what I plan on reading next, I'm still going to read How to Love Your Neighbor by Sophie Sullivan, which is one that I mentioned I was going to read last week and I just never got around to it. Again, this is a NetGalley arc and comes out on January 18th. It's an adult romance. In this one, Grace says she has it all figured out. She's going to finish school, get her degree and her dream job, and fix up a little house on the beach. As a real estate developer, no one knows how to make a deal, but he faces roadblocks when the combative and beautiful woman living next door refuses to sell her fixer-upper. So I'm going to actually finally read that one. Sounds like a good storyline. It sounds like it can be cute. 
I hope this isn't a true enemies to lovers because I don't know a decent way to switch it from being enemies to lovers. I got you. I can understand that. But I could see like a dislike turning into something else. Absolutely. And then if this book ever makes it to our home, I will read The Righteous by Renee Audier. It's a new release from this month. It just came out less than a week ago now, but it was supposed to be here by now. So frustrating. It's not in Guam, is it? Like vacationing like your one book? It came to our town and then it went to a town outside of Dallas, like the other direction from us. And then it came back to our town. So that's super cool. Yeah, we'll see what happens. This is a YA fantasy novel, and book number three in Renee Audier's The Beautiful series about 19th century New Orleans, which is filled with vampires, werewolves, and fae hiding in plain sight. And I really can't give a better synopsis than that just because it's number three. I did talk about it before when I talked about the releases coming out in December, but outside of those two things, I really can't go into it. If that one doesn't show up in time, I do have a backup book that I'll read instead, but hopefully I won't need it. And obviously we then continue on to what I have been reading because that's exciting. Not as exciting as the things you usually read, but there's a thing that we've read. Well, you read all of the novella Redawn, which is the last novella you need to read before getting into Cytonic. So you're pretty much ready to go on that one. Yeah. And the big thing about this one is seeing the humans start to finally get their alliance together with Alonic and her people, the Independence. So in Redon, we're following Alonic, who comes from the Erdel from the planet Redon. You get a little bit of information like to start off about the separation of their people like very much political like it is here it's a two-party style system one is taking over more than the other we'll just say the unity is the republican party because why not make it political if we can have a little bit of fun with it and so like they're the ones that are basically siding with the superiority the unity which is the opposite side that she is a part of right And she doesn't trust the superiority or the people who are siding with the superiority because she knows that all they want is control and they want to control people. They want to control travel. Like anything that they're saying to you is probably not true because all they want is to control you. They want to grow their power over you and the surrounding system that you're in. So like, it's just... It's not who you should trust, and like they've proven over and over that they shouldn't be trusted, but the unity is gaining power more and more amongst the Yurdal, and it's just, I don't know, it had me on the edge of my seat, and when she left them to go try to get help, I was really shocked that like it didn't completely blow up in her face, because at the same time, the humans on Detritus are also trying to make peace with the superiority. Yeah. So like it's it's a fine line to just go to these people that have been at war for as long as they can remember historically with the superiority and be like, hey, I know they've been killing a lot of your people and I know you're finally trying to make peace, but I need you to kill more of their people. Well, and on top of that, you have the fact that not all of the people in Detritus and not all the people in their military trust nor do they want peace with the superiority. Right. Like, you have Cobb who's just taking in information from all sides going... Well, I don't have all the power here. 
But then you also have the political parties on detritus who are wanting this with the superiority. Not only so that they can stop their war that they've been having, but also so that they can gain technology that the superiority has in spades. So you also have the people in the YA age range, the pilots who definitely don't trust the superiority. For obvious reasons, they've seen their friends getting literally slaughtered for like centuries and centuries and centuries. I'm trying to remember everything that happened because it was like a month ago that I read this one. Yeah. I know that Alonic comes in, talks to Jorgen and FM, I believe. Uh, this is true. Is the thing that happens. But like it, it's an internal strife because Cobb wants to still be friendly with the assembly down below and share information with them, but at the same time, not let them... Control the military. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so, like, the people in the military actively understand that, like, the assembly is what always has made the decisions for things, but the military's kind of always been separate from that. Like, yes, they were kept in the loop for the assembly, but now the assembly's like, well, we're safer now. We're safe enough to make these decisions for ourselves and start taking steps to taking the power back to the National Assembly versus it being just the military making their own decisions for the goodwill of the people on the planet because, like, they're now out at the rings of the security-style systems of the planet versus being in a situation before where, like, every day was a possibility of everybody being murdered. So it's, like, kind of night and day difference of situation. We see Alonic try to persuade the people at Detritus to come with her to Redon to try to fight for another option, not going with the superiority. Yeah, and again, that, that, that strife between the military and the assembly kind of causes some havoc to that because obviously the assembly does not want them to go sending warships to go fight somebody else's war. Like they're, they're, right. they're basically just getting grasped on their own. Like why would they go somewhere else now as well? They don't want to sacrifice those units as well. So it's, it's a messy situation at that point. Like it gets awkward to the point where like Cobb is like, I'm not telling you to do the thing because I can't. I am not ordering you to do this. And Jorgen's like, I got it. Everyone else is like, like, no, no he's telling us to do the thing. Yeah. No, he said he can't tell us to do the thing. Which he he can't, but he wants you to do the thing. Right, right. Yeah. Which was a very funny scene that I appreciated. Yeah. And obviously the the flight ends up making it to redawn and starts messing everything up for the, the unity side of her people, which is great because they're all idiots. Mm-hmm. So, like... Well, and you get a lot of great battle scenes at Redon because their planet is so different than Detritus or even Starsight. Realistically, like, it it feels like it's multiple planets because, like, they're individually large trees. Right. Like, one of them is dying, and that's the mining uh, campsite, basically. And so, like, they're actively trying to free the people on that planet because that is where the independence fighters were last seen. And, like, you get interesting battle scenes, like, inside of areas, like, inside of the tree itself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, like, fathoming Because it's it. this hollowed-out tree that they travel through and fight. Yeah. It's just Im- impressive, immersive scenes. And I think that, like, Sanderson and his partner writer on the novellas just... Jancy Patterson. Yeah. Were phenomenal at, like, building these worlds up out of just a short-term experience. Because, like, I felt like I was there. And right. And it's not that long of a book. So no, like, the novella is only about 200 pages. So 
So to be able to build these like just temporary things and you can just picture them like obviously with wandering leaf the platform like that was very easy to place because you already see other platforms right right so like you see them in the very first book they're flying through one of them so like it's not complicated to visualize that Mm -hmm. and then on top of that they give you like an understanding that it's similar because the humans were there but it's not the same right yeah and that makes so much sense Mm mm-hmm that, you know, the inside of the platform is more rounded and hollow because it's for the Yurdal. The Yurdal were the ones that probably built those things. Mm-hmm. It's similar to their trees. Like, they're hollowed out. And I thought that was really a cool, like, just way of breaking down and building the world up for you really quick. Because, like, you you don't get much time to get there. Right. Well, and so much is happening with all these different fight scenes. And they're fighting in the tree. They're fighting up in the atmosphere and they have a tiny little combat scene in her mentor's apartment because he was captured. One of my favorite scenes, by the way. And that was a lot of fun to to watch happen. Because you see Arturo punch somebody and he's like, that really hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, punching somebody hurts sometimes. Especially if you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And we do have, I know that I said there's not really a romance in this one compared to the FM's novella, but there is a little bit of like a burgeoning romance there between Alonic and one of the fighters for Starsight, or uh, not Starsight, Detritus, the DDF. Yeah, you kind of see it. I don't know that I would say it's a relationship per se, but like... Well, it's a budding romance. It hasn't like flourished into anything, but like you can see the seeds have been laid yeah, and you still see a carryover from, like, FM and Rig, which I was glad they tied back in at least a little bit. And you, of course, also get to spend time with the slugs as well. They're also very necessary in these battles that they have in their planes. Well, yeah, the Tynix are kind of important to the whole process of everything. The Tynix. Sure. Pronunciation, tomato, tomato. Either way, they are obviously important to it, and it's nice to see them being used in a military fashion for once because, like, you don't really get a lot of it in the first novella. Well, because they didn't know what they did. Yeah, they were so still they learning. So they had to experiment a lot with them. And I like that they all had slings to carry around their little cat-sized slugs. Yeah, they're cats. Let's call them what they are. They're basically cats. Slightly wet cats. That can teleport and do mind blade things and all sorts of cool stuff. Which is horrifying. Yeah. I love the weapon system on Wandering Leaf. And and when you read it, you will probably as well. Like, I think it's great that uh, our favorite slug gets put to use. Yeah. He's my favorite anyways. Boom slug? Yes. Yeah. I just like that the people who are definitely in a relationship together at this point both have matching slugs. Doom slug and boom slug. Yeah. So that's really cute. Yeah. Two different things, but like matching names. Yeah. It was clearly done on purpose, but, like, still, it's enjoyable. Very cute. Yeah. And I think this does set up a lot of stuff that you need this information going into Cytonic. And I can say that having read Cytonic at this point. But I kind of wish the third novella had happened before Cytonic, despite the fact that I don't know what's in the third novella yet, because of the way Cytonic way Cytonic ends. Like, I got a lot of questions at the end of Cytonic because... Some things happen that need to be explained, and while I don't know this for sure, but will probably be answered 
in Evershore when it comes out at the end of the month. I was going to say, the final novella is supposed to come after Cytonix, so, like, it makes sense that... It, it just leaves you on a cliffhanger where you're like... Mm. Well, you don't have to wait that long. It comes out at December 28th, I believe? Yes. Is that right? So, so you have to wait till Christmas. So well, like after Christmas. Two and a half weeks. Yeah. You'll be okay, I think. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, they're... How do I put this? Don't, don't. I'm not going to spoil anything okay. here. Um, <laughs> it is one of those cliffhangers yeah. that leaves you wondering about someone's well-being. Fantastic. So, I don't love those. I'm just glad that I will be finishing it hopefully close to when the another one comes out because then I can just go right into the next one. Well, because we're taking the week after Christmas off. Yeah. You're going to be finishing it, like, right after Evershore comes out. It's perfect. For you, maybe. Yeah. But I'm having a really good time with the Skyward series, though, like I said, the books kind of go differently than I'm expecting. And I think I'm finding that over time, I'm really enjoying thinking back on the novellas. So there is a chance in the future that the novellas are going to be my favorite part of the Skyward series. They're definitely good, and I think they add a lot of like things that needed to be added. For sure, yeah. It definitely helps you understand like how a lot of the relationships finally started up again, like mm-hmm. full circle. I'm trying not to say what I'm thinking because like you haven't read Cytonic yet. I will say as much as you are enjoying the atmosphere and the world building in the novellas, I think you will also enjoy that in Cytonic. And so I think it'll be very vivid for you whenever you finally do read it. Well, as I'm a fan of sci-fi, it's not going to be that hard for me to enjoy it, I feel like. like right. It's definitely more one of the categories of books that I really enjoy. Though I think this next one stops being what a lot of people call like a light sci-fi and becomes like towards the end a hard sci-fi. Okay. Which is just saying, like, it gets more technical. Okay. That's fine. I'm a technical person. I'll love it. We'll see anyways. I was going to say, we'll see about that. We'll see. But you are going to end up reading the first third-ish of Cytonic this next week. I say ish because there's not a good splitting point between the first third and the second third. So you're going to stop at a good stopping point, which is like 10 pages before the actual marker for a third that's fair that's fine and it does mean that the second third is going to be the longest third of the book for you it'll be like 150 pages okay it's not so bad so i think it ends up being like 125 150 and 130 ish somewhere around there since i've been reading the novellas in like one week as it were anyways it'll be a nice cut back to just be at 150 pages yeah it'll be a cakewalk realistically well and it's new and it's I, I think it's really interesting especially at the beginning so i think that'll make it easier for you to read this first third it's good and next week i'm going to have us discussing the december not december january new releases that are going to be coming up because that'll be the last week of recording and publishing an episode in December. Got it. So it's exciting. I'm ready to just go on some satanic right now. Like as soon as, as soon as this podcast is over, I I'm going to go get some water and then I'm going to start reading. So it's, it's a good series for me so far. 
And we are trying to post a little bit more on social media during the holidays here. So make sure you're checking all of that out. All of the links will be in the show notes. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe as all the podcasters ask you to. I feel like for a long time we weren't the podcasters that asked. So like it's it's good and weird. You know, I'm like, hey, we're doing the thing we're supposed to be doing. but That we should have been doing from the beginning. Hooray, new people. Uh, only in our third season. <laughs> um, but we will see you guys next week for a sports episode on Tuesday. Bye. Bye. I'm selecting whole things. All right. (laughs) Who turned on the jackhammer?